and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. I'm Dan O'Rourke, and along with me today, I have Father James Mallon. Hi, Dan. And on the side of me is none other than Ron Huntley. Hi, Ron. Hello, Daniel. All right, so today we are doing part two of uh, the uh, top 10 easy steps to kill alpha, or how to kill alpha in 10 easy steps. <laughs> and so so I, let's just briefly mention why are we talking about how to kill alpha in 10 easy steps? Well, quickly, of course, uh, if you have read Divine Renovation, alpha is all throughout the book. It's really been one of the central tool that I've used over the years, my years as a pastor, in working to renew churches, to create communities of missionary disciples. Alpha, if you do it properly, will change your culture. It'll be a discipleship process. It'll also be your leadership pipeline. It's important to get it right. And so we're going to talk about how to get it wrong. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> that usually happens by accident <laughs> and when it's too late. <laughs> All right. So I've actually made a couple notes today in terms of the things I think we ought to talk about. Because, I mean, we've got this list of, of 10. So last week we covered uh, a few things. We talked about uh, the importance of not talking Catholic at, at, at Alpha, right? So that to meet people where they're at mm. when, in terms of their language and, and what, they're, what they're bringing to it. Uh, we talked a little bit about leaderships and making sure that we're choosing the right leaders yes. uh, to bring the, the right people into the, the conversation. And the importance of training those people so that uh, so that they're actually bringing the right skills into the conversation. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about a, a number of things, but uh, I think the first thing that we, we should we should tackle is the, the the conversation around the meal. Oh yes, the famous meal. <laughs> and the, we all like talking about food to some extent. Some of us more than others. Uh, it's the kind of conversation that we can all plug into. So, Ron, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the importance of of, of the meal and uh, how it, it's a way to one way to kill alpha is to scale it back or to jump right to the videos. <laughs> well, the tendency is sometimes to scale back the meal because it's a lot of work. You know, let's just do s some snacky food instead. And when you're running a big alpha at your church, if that's your intention, a meal is a really important part of it because the meal is actually very magical. In one sense, you're eating with the same people 10 weeks in a row. And think about that. Even your closest friends. Have you ever had a meal 10 weeks in a row with your closest friends? Probably not. And I'm telling you, when you have 10, a meal 10 weeks in a row with perfect strangers, they become great friends. And it goes back to the very foundation of Alpha because one of the mistakes churches often make is they consider Alpha to be basically an information delivery system, okay? Let's just put the videos, let's put the DVDs on and watch the talks because they, be, they approach Alpha as simply as a catechetical tool uh, to deliver this knowledge. But it's not. I mean, uh, the first part of Alpha is relationships. Remember, it works. We talked last time about the paradigm of belong, believe, behave. Uh, the meals help with the belonging piece. So these these 10 weeks of meals, if you cut that out, you lose the, the, the essential component of Alpha, that spending time together, building trust, getting to know each other. Because one of the things we talk about in Alpha training is at the meals, you don't talk churchy <laughs> stuff. You don't talk about theology. Right. You talk about, you know, how was your week? How, how, how are things going? You laugh, you tell jokes. And that builds relationships. And it's, and it's the relationships that as they build and, and trust grows that then begin, begins to allow people to be open to receive the content of the talks, which then, when it impacts their lives, will result in changed life. So this is how important the meal is. Well, it's so true. And the, the piece is, too, there's two things we don't talk about at the meal. One is anything faith-related or churchy, and you don't talk about what people do for a living yeah. because we don't care. Uh, we want to get to know people as people. And just think about it, too. As you're learning those skills, just to mix it up with people that are strangers, that's going to change what happens upstairs or, or in your church on Sundays. And yes. so it's a 
wonderful principle to be able to engage people just as people. And that's what we do at the meal. And it happens naturally. And it's awkward at first. Don't, and, and it's don't really imitating the values that, that Jesus showed forth in his ministry. I mean, think of uh, he went to the house of Matthew for a meal, but, you know, he ate with tax collectors and sinners. He, he saw Zacchaeus and he said, I'm coming to your house for supper. This is what Jesus did. He met people from a diversity of backgrounds and the, the building of relationship with him began with sharing a meal. And I, I think, you know, when, when we share a meal, walls come down. It's a very intimate thing. It's a very, a very, very meaningful thing. And so it's worth the hard work. Now, there are contexts in which because Alpha can be run in many different places where it's going to be impossible to have a full meal. Ron, what, what do you, you, you've experienced that. Well, if you do it in the workplace, for example, maybe you're going to get together over a lunch hour and so people are just going to brown bag their lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you can bring in pizza or something like that. You can do that, but it just might not be practical. And so you might just be bringing your lunch, uh, you know, having 10 minutes of mowing your food down before you get into the video and then into the small group discussion because you have to make the most of your time and so certainly contextualize it and we've got a team who do alpha in the local prison i'm actually going next week to to drop in and uh, they have time they do it for, for the men and then the women come in and so they've got cookies and coffee and juice that's what they have but that's a big deal. If you're in prison, cookies and coffees and juice are a big deal. Those really guys, are. Come, those guys come sailing in, and they're like, they're just all over the cookies, and <laughs> and, uh, and it's a good, it's it's a 10, 15 minute piece. But the key thing is that it's a time to relax and to be non-intense. Well, mm -hmm. we try to do it all the time at Alpha, but it's just eating cookies and, and laughing and building relationships, getting to know each other. And it's it's so important. Don't skip it. Yeah. And it is about relationships. It's so key. It's about relationships. A lot of people may finish Alpha, and I've, I've heard this over and over again. They're not really sure where they're at spiritually yet. They're not sure if they believe yet. But they've just come to really care for people, and so they're curious enough to continue this process of, of figuring out, is Jesus real? Is God somebody for them? And it's the relationships. It's getting lost or, or tangled up in a web of relationships that really— um, Okay, okay. So it, we, we've established it's important. That you know you, you, you don't want this is not a, a skippy skippy thing. How do you how do you do it right then? I mean, like you guys have, have done this a few times. So what's the mm. what's the trick? How does one do this right? Mm, how do you how do you define right? I guess is important too because for for us, what's the end goal? The end goal is to have people fall in love and have a transformational experience of Jesus Christ and develop friendships. And so I think right can look many different ways. So maybe I'll share a few things that we've done. Father James, you can share a few things you've done. Maybe we can share some mistakes too because we've done that. So one of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to cater it. Catering it is great because you know what? In our culture, a lot of families are two-income families or a mm -hmm. lot of single parents. And so to do a potluck, we thought that would be too much work. Let's cater it. So we tried to get a catering fee that was as reasonable as possible. And then just when we're always doing alpha to break even, so we're not trying to make any money. The problem is you get paid per person or <laughs> you have to, you get charged per person. And so you say, okay, right. we're definitely getting 60 people tonight and 40 show up and you have to pay 20 meals and the money has to come from somewhere. So you know what? We still always broke even because we're mm. able to go to people and say, hey, listen, we're a little bit behind. If you can help out, please donate. And people have 
always donated. So we've always broke even, but it caused a lot of stress for the leadership team in terms of trying to figure out the numbers. And I have to say, I was always amazed because before I, before I worked with Ron, we both did Alpha in our own different churches. I was never brave enough to actually take that route. We always did potluck, of course. That's when everyone brought in food. And, and that has its own challenges because people are coming home from work and it can be stressful. You know, we would basically have two tables uh, each course prepare the food and come in and sometimes there was tons of food and other times we were really short but <laughs> yeah, that's nice for calling luck, out for right? pizza but at the last Ron, second Ron yeah. really pushed me on this and I was amazed I mean we the first couple of years we did Alpha here at St. Benedict I mean the total budget when at the end of the, the year you look at it and you think oh my goodness and then you look and see that it, we broke even hmm. well what ministry in our church breaks even like this it's, it's insane right. and why does it need to break even? I found myself asking that question. I mean, if if evangelization is our primary value, why am I concerned about it breaking even? I mean, am I concerned that the Bible study should break even? Am I concerned that Sunday catechism classes should break even? Well, why am I concerned about Alpha breaking even? But it does. It does break even. It's been incredible. But there is that. There was that stress factor, and I think mm. we've we've changed it a little bit since yeah. then, haven't we? It's evolved, and to your point, like. Truly, we've had to call out for, for pizzas sometimes because people don't show up who are supposed to bring food. So that's that's been stressful as well and, and difficult. I'm just trying to think even at the sushi, you know, we're paying for it. And some people would leave and not pay. They didn't yeah. think they needed to pay. And so, again, the money has to come from somewhere. Mm. So we've never really found a thing that works every time perfectly. There's always so going to be some sushi, difficulty at the sushi restaurant? It. Yes. Yeah, we took over the whole restaurant. Yeah, we have a I parishioner mean, I, I, that owns a restaurant. Let's, let's, let's remember as well that um, I think something like 60% of the alphas that take place in Canada anyway are run in homes. Mm. And they're, they're, they're basically... 12 people. Yeah. And so that's another way where if you know if you feel called uh, to host an alpha you you're basically having a house party and yes. you and you're preparing a meal and that's a very intimate uh, process to sit down. And so that's that's another way and that's actually yeah. That's actually the majority of alphas that take place take place in that setting. Well, that's one of the things that we're trying to do, isn't it? Because we have our, our we have a daytime alpha that we run, which is mostly seniors. We have an evening alpha that we run, which is a lot of people that are still in the workforce. And our hope is that we'll also run them in the workplace and in homes. We want them running as many places yes. as possible. And what we do share in common is the weekend away experience and the celebration at the end to bring people together and to connect them all. But if I could just say one more thing around the meals. One time, too, we've also... We used to cook the meals at the church. So we'd have a team that would go out and buy the food and they'd prepare the food. That's the most affordable way to do it. And uh, and so if you have a team that can be that dedicated. Now, everybody eats the same thing that, yeah. that night at the, the meal, but but no, no different than catering it. But that works really well, too, and it's really affordable. You can usually feed people uh, for about $3.50 per person. Jeez, I can't do that at my home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so is, is, it fair, is it a fair question to say, are there certain types of food that you shouldn't serve? Or is there certain, like, is there... Is there a line uh, here? Things with lots of garlic uh, and <laughs> onions. And, uh, yeah, Father James doesn't like onions. Uh, be beans probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the tips. Uh, Especially oh, on the weekend away. Avoid the beans. Speaking of which, the weekend away, isn't that our next topic? I think it is. <laughs> good segue. <laughs> so why don't we talk a little bit about the weekend away? And uh, I guess to, to just to frame it up, it's uh, the way to kill Alpha is to uh, 
to modify the weekend of away, change the talks and cut some out and or change the content mm-hmm. or so, or don't have it at all. Yeah. Just just avoid it. I think one of the questions is is what why do people or why are people in, in, inclined to be, be be tempted to avoid the weekend away or to change it? Mm. I think part of it is is the resistance. You know, because I'm going to say to you, hey, Dan, uh, listen, I've got this really cool thing I'd like you to come to for a weekend. Uh, you're a dad. <laughs> you work. And it's like, yeah, I don't have that time, right? Mm. People don't have time anymore. Yeah. Like, we, we just don't have margin built into our schedules anymore. We're really yeah. good at chewing everything up. So I think that's one of the reasons is that people just don't want to put pressure on people. They don't want to have to deal with resistance. And so yeah. it's easier just to say, oh, well, then let's just do whatever you want to do. And alphas, it's difficult because you're going to you're calling people to do some things that maybe are a stretch for them. And I think giving up a weekend is one of them. Now, there's different ways to do it. No, let's uh, maybe recap for people who might not be entirely familiar with Alpha that the weekend away takes place around uh, week uh, the, the sixth, the sixth fifth week. or sixth yeah. week, and it's focused on the Holy Spirit. So it's it's actually almost one third of the entire content of the course takes place on the weekend and the weekend focuses entirely on the Holy Spirit who is the Holy Spirit what does the Holy Spirit do how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit how can I make the most of the rest of my life and the weekend away I'm not kidding you the people in parishes and when I've traveled to speak at conferences when I've interviewed people who have had life changing experiences 90% the testimonies begin at the weekend away at the weekend away at the weekend away this is where it all comes together for people this is where uh, people have a powerful experience of God's love um, so that's the importance of the weekend away it's it's the centerpiece of alpha in many ways if you do alpha and you don't make the weekend away in one sense you have you you've missed alpha and, mm. and it's that it's that it's that important. Mm. It's true. And it's really difficult because when you're planning a weekend and we try to keep statistics about how many people actually make the weekend. And I'm always excited when when I'm involved with the table and everybody can make the weekend. I always get really excited about that. And unfortunately, I take a lot of pride in that. I remember the last time we did Alpha, I think two people from my table were able to come <laughs> and other tables were like full. I was so disappointed, so heartbreaking. <laughs> and it's one of the things about Alpha that makes it so hard. Mm. You put all this work in and sometimes you get great results and other times you put just as much work in and people just for whatever reason are, are peeling off or not committing to the weekend. And it's just... It reminds me of something that Nikki Gumbel used to say that Alpha is the most... Uh, a rewarding thing he's ever done, and and it's the most disappointing thing as well because you you you, you see both things. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a difficult one. We in my past in past parishes, again until until I worked with Ron, I I kind of t- took the, the the safe way out, and we offered a day away. Well, actually, it wasn't a day away. It was a day in the parish hall, <laughs> and we tried to from a Friday night all day Saturday. From the morning to the afternoon, we tried to try to compress it, and it was it was reasonable. I mean, the thing is that God still works, right? But I have to say, when I when I teamed up with Ron, Ron really pushed me to to do it right, to do it according to the full recipe, and I was reluctant, and I went along with it, and he was right. He was absolutely right. It's it, again, it's about creating that space, and when people physically go away, um, yeah. and and 
and they take that extra and they actually sleep over a night and it's more relaxed the schedule isn't as compressed mm-hmm. it's it's much more transformative for people so one of the things that that we, we said that you shouldn't do is change the the schedule or change the content much is it pretty regimented is it like what does that look like uh, the way it's been sketched well when I point that out I think part of it has to do with the fact that it focuses also on the gifts of the Holy Spirit not everybody's comfortable with that you know I don't know you know I know as Catholics sometimes we're we're not as comfortable with the expressions of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we can tend to go oh I like everything else but can we avoid that yes uh, because it might not be your experience of your faith because you don't really experience that at mass and if your experience of your Catholic faith faith is just mass and or Sunday school you're probably not particularly uh, experienced and comfortable with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is the centerpiece. I mean, there's teaching, there's wonderful catechesis and theology about the person of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. But the centerpiece really is leading people into an encounter and, and really opening their hearts to an experience of God's love. And this is something I talk about in the book. Uh, it's one of the, the, the values, one of the 10 values that will lead to a church being being healthy, and that is experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. See, often in our churches, we've reduced the Holy Spirit to an abstraction, to a concept. I mean, we we have a we almost have a, we may have a personal relationship with Jesus and even with the Father, but the Holy Spirit is the sense of you know, what is this thing? You know, like we're we're really we really really struggle with that, and I think that in this day and age, like. You know, we talk about the new evangelization. If we want a new evangelization, there's got to be a new Pentecost. And that means experiencing the Holy Spirit, actually experiencing the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture speaks about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of power. Jesus said to the disciples, stay stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And if, if you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you see that people are constantly experiencing the power of God. Uh, or the Holy Spirit is God's love being poured into their hearts, which is really, really transformative. So what we are, we're clear about it. What we desire for people is to have an experience, a life-changing experience. And sometimes we're shy around experiential spirituality. We're much more uh, comfortable in our heads, mm-hmm. much more right. comfortable with ideas. One of the things that comes up, too, in the gifts, and again, there's several, but for some reason the gift of tongues can hang people up. Like they just... It's just something that weirds them out a little bit. And so we try to normalize. We try to normalize. And part of that is getting comfortable yourself and growing in the gifts of the Spirit yourself. And I think the more comfortable I've become over the years, because I remember the first time I did a weekend away, I was running an alpha out of my house, and we rented this uh, little cottage in Muscadabit. So we all drove down. (laughs) And then probably on the way down, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to lead this. Now, back then, I didn't have any training. (laughs) And so I really didn't know what I was doing. I was scared out of my Mm. mind. But I did it anyway out of obedience, and sure enough, God showed up. But I'll I'll be honest with you, I was really scared. And I know some people who are running Alpha, when it comes to the Holy Spirit peace, they can be really scared, and I understand that. Uh, I remember one time with the prison Alpha, um, I was asked if I would go through the prison training, because you have to go through a lot of training even to get into the prison, not Alpha training, but prison training. And as we were getting trained, the trainer said, you know, trust is the biggest thing, the most important thing when you're doing any work in here. And they're just going to parachute me in for the weekend away. And I said to the people that were doing the team, I said, guys, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's not fair to the inmates. They need trust. You're the ones going to be building it with them. Yeah. I'm not going to parachute in just to do the weekend experience because you're uncomfortable with it. I'm yeah. going to have to teach you how to do it. Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, you can. It's not about me. It's about God. 
And it wasn't until they did it that they believed me because yes. some people see people that are comfortable with this and they think, oh, but that's you, Father James. You're yeah. so good. Or that's you, Dan. But I could never do that. But what they don't realize, really, you can't do that much. I'm not that good. That, that's, but God is. <laughs> that's the key to understanding the weekend away. One, to begin with, we're afraid because um, – we this there's mystery here. We touch mystery. There's something that we can't control. Uh, there's something we have no power over. And this is really where it takes faith to to trust that Alpha is about creating a space for God to come and work and touch people's hearts. And we can't control that. And God's working is not dependent on how personally holy I am, how much I prayed that morning, how vigorously I brushed my teeth, uh, whether I went to confession ten times the week before. You know, God. We begin to the premise that God desires to pour himself into our lives. That's God's desire. God delights in us. That's the starting point. We don't conjure God. We're not like the, the prophets of Baal, you know, that we hear about in, in I think, in, in, in First Book of Kings, you know, where they're, they're jumping around the altar, slashing themselves, you know, calling on God. God. We don't need to do that for, for God to show up. God desires to come mm-hmm. and to touch the hearts of his people. And and you get, I would say to our team, you know, I give you permission to not take responsibility for what's going to happen because guess what? It ain't dependent on you. It doesn't depend on how you know on how well how good your prayer is and in this in how this, long you've been a Christian. How long or? you've been a Christian? I mean, one of the things our last Holy Spirit weekend, uh, we set it up. We had prayer teams and we had someone who had done it before matched up with a team member who had never done it before. And, Ron and I sat, we, the two of us sat down and we turned to each other with big grins on our faces as team members uh, laid hands on, on the guests and, and just prayed a simple prayer, Holy Spirit, come. And guess what? People were having life-changing experiences and we're sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> it, it, it was amazing because then people experience it, yes. that, that, that God can use them. And it reminds me of one of the mistakes that I made when I, the very first time I did Alpha. And, and that was for the Holy Spirit weekend. I brought in, I parachuted in outside experts mm. who were, had experience in the charismatic renewal. And that was a big mistake for a number of reasons. Number one, sometimes people who come out of the charismatic renewal, and I don't want to pick on, on the, the charismatic renewal, but they come with mannerisms and ways of praying that, that freak people out. Because one of the things in Alpha is, is don't be don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be yeah. weird. Like, it's just foreign. Uh, it's not weird. It's just that it's foreign, right? Yeah, it's, but it's, 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 it's weird to the guest. And, yeah. and the thing is, whose needs are being met here, right? Yes. So we minister to the guest. We, we avoid intensity. Uh, lingo. Lingo, whatever. It's, it's gentle and it's respectful. And so that was one thing. But the other thing was that I modeled to the team, you have to be an expert to do this. So it was me and the two experts who who prayed over people, and that took us years to undo that perception that you've got to be an expert to do this because the key in Alpha is that the way we do everything, we model values and we teach. We don't even realize we're teaching, but what we were saying, we might as well have been yelling it through a bullhorn, is that you can't do this, Mm. only we can do this. And this is what I love about how we're experiencing Alpha at St. Benedict is we teach the exact opposite. We proclaim, you can do this. You don't need us to do it. So this has been this has been a theme through all of this conversation so far is that how we model something is yes. as much uh, the part of the message as anything we actually say. I want us to go to talk about uh, the next uh, one that we wanted to deal with today around how to kill Alpha. And it's uh, don't pray. Don't pray. Go on your own steam and willpower and 
instead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're funny creatures. We're prideful creatures when we're we, even when we don't know we are. And sometimes we, when we're starting something new, we know how badly we need God, and so we'll lean right into Him. But once we've done it a couple times, our confidence gets up. It's like, don't worry, I got this one. You go, <laughs> I got it go help somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know theologically we can. We can recognize, oh, yes, prayer is the foundation of everything. We can't do anything without prayer. But then in practice, we can we can say something different. So I think it's about being really, really intentional at many different levels. To begin with, I, you know, we it's here at St. Benedict, we utilize many of the existing prayer ministries. So we, yes. have, a, we have a prayer tree. Uh, and emails go out every single week asking, you know, uh, asking people to pray for things. And so, Alpha events, come and sees, uh, weekends away, mm-hmm. we're asking people to pray for that. We've got a Eucharistic Adoration Ministry, and I see them as the, you know, like in the in the Titanic movies. Well, maybe Titanic isn't a good example, but you know that you know that the people in the, the people in the in the engine room they're, they're they're shoveling coal in the furnace. Yeah. No, they're all like you know they're they're working hard and shoveling. That's the people in prayer ministry. I I see for the whole parish as we're working for Reno. You've got to have that foundation of prayer, interceding, interceding, begging for God's grace, and then uh, we also extended it. You know, in weekend masses, we'll have, for the prayers of the faithful, if there's an Alpha weekend coming up or, or happening, we'll pray for it there as well during weekday masses. And even, I think, Ron, in the past, well, we've been doing different aspects of Alpha. You've had people uh, at that moment up in the chapel praying, haven't you? That has happened. It, it could happen more, I have to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, that's happened too. We get our team praying for for the guests even when we're doing training, even before we know who the guests are going to be. And once they have been assigned their guests and their table, they're praying for them the entire course. That's right. And uh, even during the evening while they're at the table, it's the helper's role while the facilitator is is keeping conversation going to actually be silently praying for people mm. at the evening. So there are lots of different forms that we employ, but it's so important. There's a time of prayer before and after each evening with the team. Maybe you can say a word about that. It's a really important piece. Thanks for bringing that up because Alpha, the training itself happens with those three particular sessions. But each night we train the team by having a meeting beforehand. We always say show up a half an hour before Alpha starts and we're going to spend 15 minutes kind of just letting you know what's important to cover this particular session. And we also take some time to pray for people. And it also, again, it models what does it look like to pray. And so then after Alpha's over, we do a debrief again after the guests have left, just saying, how did tonight go? What were the highs and lows? And again, we intercede and pray for the guests at Alpha. So again, it's a way of modeling and discipling the people on team because hopefully half of the people on your team were just guests at the previous one. And hopefully many of them are new Christians or still discerning whether or not they want to be a Christian. So you're modeling it every single week. So let me ask you a question because, I mean, us here, and I I suspect most of the people listening are – have a prayer life already. You know, we have a way that we approach God in prayer. So my question, I guess, is 
given the nature of your audience, how, how, how does that prayer take place? What, what's the language you would use in the prayer? Is it the same as you would, uh, you know, in your individual prayer or your group prayer or the prayers that we would use at Mass? What are we modeling in that prayer and what language are we using and are we establishing any sort of comfort and how does that work, I guess? So are you talking the prayer with the team before Alpha Sorry, starts, no, I was talking or? about actually not with the team, but with, with the, the participants, like with the, the closing prayer and... Oh, oh wow, that's that's good. That's a neat, yeah, interesting it's, it's assumption. A, it's a yeah, because actually, uh, at Alpha, we, when we start off, once the guests arrive, so what we've been talking about is is the, the church as a whole yep. uh, praying for Alpha, the team praying for the guests. But in in Alpha, there's a very slow progression. So when people arrive. I remember the first couple of times we did Alpha and we would have the meal and I remember parishioners come and saying, Father James, we, 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 we didn't say grace. It was like, yes, that's right. We didn't say grace because we didn't say grace because of the sake of, you know, those three people over there are actually atheists. And that guy over there is an agnostic and we're not going to make people say grace. And so we intentionally don't pray. Uh, there's a bit of singing uh, in the, the first week, but we keep it very generic, you know, thanking God for, for creation. We don't invite guests to, to sing and the first week, thank you, Lord Jesus, you are my savior. Come into my life, like come into two, my yeah. heart. You know, it's because <laughs> that because that's prayer, and we we don't put we don't invite people to pray something they they can't pray. Yeah. But eventually, when when you cover the week on prayer, why and how should I pray? Then you introduce prayer to the group as a whole, and we actually invite people in their small groups to pray, and it's very very interesting because we always say again that that notion of modeling something. Be careful what you model. And we invite the, the team leader to to start with a simple prayer and, and open it up to anyone who would like to pray. Never go around in a circle because that puts pressure on people. Right. But we I always say— I confess I do that <laughs> <laughs> for the prayer night just to get them to start. But I, I know what you mean because you don't go around the circle. I don't go around the circle when it comes to the discussion topics. But to model the prayer, but with I'll the prayer notes. night, you're you're probably about five weeks in. This trust built up. It's not the same as the is, is the first week. Here's a temptation. This happens in in church life all the time, and we need to be conscious of it. People who are in leadership positions will will say a prayer, right? And they'll they'll pray this beautiful, eloquent, theologically literate, rich prayer filled with biblical allusions and scriptural language and theological references and it's articulate and compelling and and it's beautiful and 99% of the people hearing that prayer think wow I could never do that mm. I could never do that in any time we minister in any way and people's reaction is I could never do that I I believe we've bought in what I call in the book into a clerical model of ministry because that is not a way of ministering that is equipping those who hear. What we say to people in Alpha, when you as, you as a leader, when you pray for the first time, you say this, thank you, God, for the weather. Amen. And everyone in the group goes, what? That was, that was ridiculous. I could do better than that. That's exactly what we're looking for, is, is to evoke in the people, I could do that. In fact, I could do better than that. And that, and that is opening the door for people to, to take a step and grow. One of the things that can happen sometimes as a team, because as Father James mentioned, actually, if you're a guest on Alpha, you don't see prayer at all until it, the, the theme comes up with the video or the talk. And as people, and this is tricky if you have people come back on team a couple of times, because, again, you're working them through this leadership pipeline sometimes. Yeah, they come back journey. as a helper, maybe as a co-host, and then maybe as a facilitator. 
maybe if they're invited. But the more they come to Alpha, the more comfortable they get with the process. And that is dangerous. We mm. don't want people to get too comfortable with yeah. it. We want them to stick to the basics. So what can happen on the second night? Father James is at my table and he's not a priest and he, he just had this really difficult day because he lost his job. It might be a tendency for team members who are getting more comfortable with prayer to say, can I pray with you in week two? And and I, I'll say to people, uh, don't do that. You will weird them out. Yep. Wait. Trust the process. Right. And it really is hard once you understand how easy it is to minister in the Holy Spirit and pray for people not to do it. And uh, and so it's a slow build. And after you've cracked open prayer, then it's appropriate right. and reasonable to say, hey, you know what? I could pray with you right now if you like. So I want to I want to go to our next topic, uh, which will be the last one for for this conversation, and it's be intense. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the fun icebreakers. Get right to the meat of things. Don't laugh or smile too much. Be very serious and religiously intense. We talked a little bit about that last time, didn't yes. we? In terms about using our Christian language or our Catholic language and assuming that everybody wants to be like us. In fact, I think we could probably assume the complete opposite. People don't want to be anything like that if they're outside the church. And so it's so important to leave that intensity at home. And that's why we don't talk about religious things over dinner. We just want to laugh and carry on and talk about how the Toronto Maple Leafs will never win a Stanley Cup and, and the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens uh, just barely missed out this year. <laughs> right, I think, Dan? <laughs> I think, too, you know, it's like what Pope Francis said in Evangelii Gaudium that, you know, evangelizers shouldn't come from church looking like they've just come from a funeral. <laughs> you know, or as someone said, if Jesus is in your heart, please notify your face. Like, you know, where is the joy? You know, and we want to we want to show that, you know, Jesus said, I, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Like, you know, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. Like, joy is so foundational to the Christian life. And that's what we want to show. We want to uh, expose the lie that goes back to, you know, 19th century philosophers that, that says that God is our enemy. God is the enemy of, mm-hmm. of, of joy. God is the enemy of human fulfillment. God is the enemy of human freedom. In fact, it's the opposite. We we want to prove, Bill, I'm, on, I'm on a preach here. We, we want to prove <laughs> Billy Joel wrong, that in in fact, the saints have much more fun. <laughs> and and that's, that's what we've tried to do in Alpha is, is have an absolute blast. It's so much fun. We do so much laughing. And that models something, doesn't it? it and it's a, and that, that's what opens the door to people growing in, in faith. Yeah. And it's so fun to watch that because for people that come from outside the church, they're actually expecting intensity. They're expecting this religious piety that they can't relate to. And when they see just people having a blast yeah. and enjoying themselves, and when Father James is there mixing up with, with his table and stuff, and they're looking over and seeing the pastor laughing his head off and goofing off, and it's like, man, this feels a lot like me. Mm-hmm. And it just is so disalarming. It really, again, models the very thing we're trying the to do. The thing about intensity is you know, setting expectations because people are, are left, especially the first weeks in the small group, they're waiting, they're listening to for the unwritten rules. And, you know, when we, we take time at the, the, the first week to say, you know, what brought you to Alpha? You know, you have a little uh, little icebreaker thing. And then the next question is, you know, well, why did you show up? If if you can, as much, of, as much as possible, if you can kind of like during the meal, hear a little bit about the story of um, someone at your table, here's the best case scenario. <laughs> 
Okay, maybe no. no I'll start with the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is okay. The, you ask the first person, "Why did you come here?" And they say, "Well, I really love Jesus. I go to mass every day. I have five aunts who are nuns and three uncles who are priests, and I really want to go deeper in my faith." That is like the worst possible. That will kill you. Half the people Hate in your that person. Half the people. Half the people in your group will not come back. Right. The best possible opener. The best possible opener, an opening night of Alpha. Bob, why did you come to Alpha? I have no idea. I, 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 I think religion is a bunch of garbage. I don't believe in God. I don't. The only reason I'm here is because my girlfriend dragged me. I'm probably not going to come back ne- next week, and I'm really not comfortable at all. That's like awesome. <laughs> that is the best opening. Why Be- is it the best opening? Because it's honest. Yeah. You, the person is just given. People, no, providing that the small group leader responds well uh, in a non judgmental way, that communicates to everyone in the group is that you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. Yes. You can be real, you can be honest, you can be authentic. And that is so important. The person who begins with ruling out the religious credentials and, you know, get all the nuns who are ants and mm-hmm. all, all of this and gives their history of how and when and where they went to church. That that sets that sets that puts people in a different place and communicates to a, a number of people. This isn't for you. You you actually don't belong here. Yeah. So I'm all in favor of goofing off. I love a good laugh. But when I hear the word icebreakers, I get a little cringy. Like you got to know, Ron. I'm I, when icebreakers. Seriously, don't even say it to me. I, I get like a little. I'm glad you said that. Don't say it. Just do it. <laughs> you don't have to say it. If you just invite people into it, they'll follow your lead. But when we say to people, we're going to do an icebreaker now, I tense up too. Why say it? Why not just go into it and say, hey, listen, I've got a cool question for you. Have you ever seen, what's the best movie you've seen lately? And did you tell anybody about it? Just do it, and people mm. will engage in it. But if you announce it, you're right. People tense up, and, and it just it's not good leadership. Just do it. Totally. I have visions of, like, day camp when I was a kid, right? <laughs> We're going to do an icebreaker and learn each other's names. Oh, god! You're going to introduce no, that please, person. Gonna... No. <laughs> Can I get back to one thing, Dan? Because I, sure. don't, I don't want – it's just a warning because this is 10 easy ways to kill off and 10 easy steps, is that when people – and I've seen this happen over and over again. They've come from basically have not been in the church for 20 years, experience Alpha, have this incredible reawakening and, and recommitment to faith, come back on team, grow as a team member, get more and more excited about their faith, start coming to Mass, come back as a co-host, get even more zealous and excited, and then they actually start to grow in intensity. The very things that they wouldn't have liked before they start embodying the, the this religious intensity themselves and they actually start to become less effective even though two years earlier they wouldn't have been able to respond to that and i see it in people all the time and so it's really important to be on the lookout for that in yourself but also in the people that you might think would never be like that it's not uncommon for them to get caught up in the culture of the parish or the church or the spirituality of the people they're hanging out with to growing in their discipleship groups. And there's something that makes sense about that. Yeah. Uh, if you think about the process of evangelization, discipleship, and becoming an apostle or becoming a missionary disciple, when you're evangelized, you, you're at a very different place. You're receiving, you're, you're encountering Jesus, you're making a decision to follow him. And then when you become a disciple and you grow in discipleship, that's where that intensity happens because yes. you're falling in love. It takes over your whole person. But then 
a goal of maturity is when the disciple becomes an apostle or a missionary. Uh, you've got to begin to relearn uh, a, a sensitivity to those yes. who don't speak your language, who who are of a different culture, and it's a form of retraining again. So. That's, it's normal and natural to face that challenge. Absolutely. And if you're facing that challenge, it's because it's working. Right. All right, look, guys, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we're about two-thirds way through our, our, our trilogy here. <laughs> uh, so so I'll, let's wrap it up. Father James, for the people who want to find more about you and the amazing things you're up to, where should they go? Uh, DivineRenovation.net has information on the book. Also on Twitter at FJMallon, also FRJamesMallon.com. Perfect. And, and Ron, if people are looking to hunt you down? They can find me on Twitter at RMHSBP. Those are my initials and then St. Benedict Parish. And so I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter. And we're always tweeting things out to keep you motivated and inspired. And I'm Dan with JP2Media.com. And thank you for listening today. And I can't wait for you guys to tune in for episode three in the crazy trilogy about how to kill Alpha. I trust we're all making you assassins of Alpha. (laughs) (laughs) That's been our mission. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Dan. Dan.